He scopes out the present, shakes out the past, and keeps an eye out on the future. This is the Racing with Bruno podcast. Now, from Lexington, Kentucky, here's Bruno DiGiulio. And welcome. It's Preakness Stakes Weekend. And in my neck of the woods, down here in Frankfurt and Lexington, Keeneland. Yes. It's crack to us here in Kentucky. Can I say that? Let me bring somebody in who's going to judge me on that. Ron Flatter, can I say Keeneland is crack? You can say Keeneland. You're, you're allowed to say Keeneland. Keeneland is a perfectly acceptable word on a podcast. As far as the other stuff, it's up to you. You're not helping. I know. I'm trying to be a smartass. How am I it's doing? It's very that? addictive. Let's put it that way. <laughs> it is. It is. We're at that... What an interesting time of year. Yeah. We've got two big meets going on at the same time this weekend at Keeneland and a little thing we like to call the Preakness. I know, in October. And and besides that, you've got all the championship ra- uh, races in Belmont, Santa Anita. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this is a great weekend to play the horses. It really is. If Anybody and, who's griping about choices should not be griping. Well, people will gripe no matter what. That's the no. nature of the game. I know, I know. Shock, breaking news, you know, fake news. Um, but uh, no, I, I'm really excited about this weekend. And Ron, you and I have a date Friday night. We have a date. Now, I want to know a little bit more about what I should wear to your webinar. Do I have to dress up? Do I have to put on a tuxedo? Is this a black tie optional affair? Or how should I prepare myself for your webinar? It'd be fun. Be prepared to have some fun. How funny would that be if I did put on a tuxedo? I would actually, at that point, I would turn your actually camera off. (laughs) 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 Trying to show us all up, huh, Flatter? (laughs) Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, uh, Flatter's not covering any mares tonight. (laughs) <laughs> that's right well didn't tell the missus that uh, so yeah well we want to, we're not going to invite her so do we want to give sleep. the details on the webinar now or do we want to save it oh, for the yeah end let's okay. tell people yeah go to racingwithbruno.com it's listed on um, our page it's the Breakness uh, Keeneland webinar Friday night you, it's forty nine ninety five. you get the entire simulcast edition you get Belmont San Anita Keeneland and Preakness week and, and Preakness, uh, Preakness uh, stakes card Mm-hmm. Um, we email that out and you get to get a, uh, an invite and you'll get a, li- a link to join us live on our webinar. And you can talk to Ron, myself. I might try to get Brian Lazarica to pop on with oh, some nice. Santa Anita stuff. Uh, and, um, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And it's the first, uh, webinar that you're going to be involved with and you better not wear a tux or show us up flatter. All right, I'll, I'll make sure I, well, I'll make sure I'm decent, at least. I'll, I'll certainly... Please, please. That minimum, or, or at least frame the shot so that you wouldn't know. Uh, and what time will it be, sir? It will be at 8 o'clock Eastern. Eight that Eastern. means if you are in Vegas, which I can't think of anybody being in Vegas right now, it's 5 p.m. Yeah, who's in Vegas? Right. <laughs> I don't know. Some guy named Ron that I know. Absolutely. Yeah. So how is Vegas? uh, It's tenuous. I've been saying that for a few months, Bruno, because 
Just when you think you get a little bit of normal, you start to hear about stories of maybe the COVID's coming back, it's going to spike, they want to make sure social distancing is right, they're going to get the gendarmes out to make sure the masks are being worn, the governor will say something. But so far, since June, we have reached sort of a level two normal. We're not all the way back. Who is? But you're seeing traffic in casinos again. You're seeing the hotels not filled by any means, but you're seeing it with a certain amount of social distancing activity, at least what you would expect when you come to Vegas. So it's getting there. I guess that's the quickest way to put it. It is, it is getting there. Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm proud for a large percentage of Americans that have made the sacrifice and they made it all of, uh, they made it possible for us to be able to be here and do the things that we do and enjoy it. Uh, you know, and, and it's been hard on a lot of people, but let's bring them some fun this weekend. Let's have some fun. Bring the ponies. The ponies have not stopped. Isn't that the coolest thing? When you look at 2020, the racing has not stopped. Yes. And, and you know what? A lot of people have enjoyed the time and enjoyed the races Mm -hmm. and we got great weekend coming up. You know, and then, then in a month, we got Breeders' Cup. I know. I know. I'm already gearing up for it. At one of my other gigs at Horse Racing Nation, we're already doing twice daily odds evaluations where you see how the markets are going, most of them offshore and foreign, but at least you start to get a snapshot of where the betting may go. And that's an indicator that you start to look at and go, okay. All right, what are the horses going to be? And you start to get your arms wrapped around what these fields are going to look like, too. Well, what's interesting is this weekend we got the arc, too. I know. This is a trip I normally make. Bruno, you, you've, you've now struck a chord with me where I feel rueful because normally well, at this time of year, I am in Paris. This is the first year since 2006 that I have not gone to Paris for the arc. And I, I miss the... I miss the whole thing. I mean, that was a trip I look forward to every year. I'll do it next year, but the streak is over, and it's it's a different feel this time as I have to watch it from afar as opposed to being right there at Longchamp. Well, I don't want to upset you, so I'm just going to socially distance from you right now. <laughs> and um, But we're let's talk about the arc. If, uh, um, Enable yeah. would love being going in the Prix de Paris, correct? The Grand Prix de Paris was, yeah, that would have been, well, she didn't go in that, remember. She went, they, they were going to send her through the September stakes, and then they've, they've kind of backed off on how much they've been prepping her. I got, a, I got a feeling she's coming here. I don't know about that, Bruno. I think the arc is going to be it. They were going to shut her down and move her Are you talking about country. love or enable? I'm talking about enable. I'm talking about love. Uh, well, you said enable. Oh, I'm sorry. When you look at me love. and say, I enable you, Ron, I was wondering what you really meant by that. Love is, yeah, well, well, I think love's love, coming. I think love's coming. I, I agree. I think she's yeah, coming. She's terrific, Philly. That's a good showdown. I'm a little worried about the weather. I know that there's been some talk about, okay, the rain would help enable. She needs a little cut in the ground, but she had a lot of cut in the ground last year when Waldgeist won. That ground did not help her at all. So uh, let's see about how much rain they get. It's always a weather question in Paris this time of year. We know from the French Open tennis tournament it's been cold. So we shall see. I want to see, I'll I'll take a long look at how the course is going to come up. If it's really soft, 
I don't like enables chances at that point. And uh, but love, yeah, that's a different. I think I I haven't studied love enough to get a real handle about how she would deal with varying sorts of ground. But we'll. I well, want to see that. Well, let me ask you something point. about enable. They talk about the ground. Mm -hmm. She couldn't have run on any worse ground than she did at Churchill Downs when she brought she won the Breeders' Cup here. Oh no, it was worse ago. at last year's arc. It was worse at last year's arc. Well, Longchamp is known for that, and Longchamp's known for uh, for having horses for courses win the arc yeah. that on 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 notoriously bad turf. So you got to wonder a little bit um, if you you know I, I I think sometimes a lot of it. It's just propaganda from the trainers uh, making up an excuse if the horse gets beat. Um, um, so I just think I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to try to put something together for the art. So stay tuned, Ron. Maybe we'll talk about it on on uh, on our next podcast. But I'm definitely going to try to put something out. I, I, it's Sunday, correct? Sunday, yeah, at I think 10 o'clock Eastern time. So that's where right. it shall be, yeah. I may I may have the opportunity of putting something together for the Arc de Triomphe, all the races. I like to study those. I like to get um, all the information that I can and it's and go from there. Card. So yeah. it's a wonderful card. Yeah, be great card. Uh, I'm looking forward to. It. Now I'm all excited. So now not only do we have Keeneland starting, but now we have the Arc de Triomphe. We've got the Preakness. Now in the Preakness, we got a new shooter, Art Collector. Yeah, you got a couple. Thousand Words is a new shooter too. Well, I just never thought he was that good. Okay. And he never thought he was that good. He's out of a Pomeroy's pistol. It was a six for a long horse. He beat Cezanne and 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 a ninety and eighty percent and troubled honor AP that definitely has something going on with him. Um, I, I I I don't buy into him. I don't buy into him at all. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So. I love the angle of the other Baffert so often. I have yeah, that, seized yeah, on that, the other that's Baffert. Not in the big, that's not in the big races. No. No. And Baffert is, let's remember, you've heard the stat before, five for five with Derby winners in the Preakness. Yeah, but that's a different, this is a it's new a different race. Di yeah, diff different, different thing, you know, so... Do you um, like? Do you like any of the new shooters? Are you going to try to be uh, authentic? You're gonna you're gonna have to come dressed for the dance on Friday night. Mm. Will you I give swear, us a hint as to a whether that's a yes or no? You wear a tux. You better wash it because you're gonna have to. You're gonna wash take it to the cleaners because you're gonna have to wear it for our for our Breeders' Cup one. Because okay. if you know, so get the purple and gold tux there. So will you give us even a yes or no whether you're going to look at a shooter? Oh, I'm not telling you. All right. You're not going to know until we do that podcast. All right. I'm looking forward to this now. Yeah, and I'll have, we'll have a lot of information. We'll pick selected races to talk about. Um, and um, so I'm very excited. So go to racingwithbruno.com. It's forty nine ninety five. Mm -hmm. You get the... You get the, uh, not you, Ron. No, that's you know. the you. Well, there's, well, I'm not the only you, you you're, you're talking to. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Hey, Ron, you know, what's the old line? You know, first prize, you get a trip to go visit Ron. Second prize, you get two trips. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like the, the Racing with Bruno employee of the month. You get one day off, and that'll be your usual day off. <laughs> 
But go to racingwithbruno.com, $49.95. You get the webinar. You get the uh, the whole uh, uh, tracks, the um, uh, the Preakness, uh, the Pimlico card. You get the Keeneland card. You get the Belmont card. You get the Santa Anita card. So, and and you spend an hour, an hour and a half with us. And we, we don't, uh, and, and our webinars go a little bit longer usually. And you get everybody to chime in and to talk and, and, uh, and go from there. I'm really forward, looking forward to it. So sign up, racingwithbruno.com, $49.95. You get that. I, you will get the products as soon as they're, they're put together and, and we will send them out. And also you will get a link uh, on Friday um, afternoon. You'll get a link to join us at 8 o'clock Friday night and watch. Let's see what actual Ron Flatter wears on the podcast. You got me thinking about this now. Yeah, we're gonna have to come up. You know, um, it'll be fun. I'm, I'm looking forward I am to. Too. It, and I'm glad you're joining us. I'm looking forward to it as well. Yeah. Anyway, um, now you've. By the way, you were talking about Keeneland here a moment ago. Are you going to be busier with Keeneland or Pimlico from your point of view? I mean, you're right there in the backyard with Keeneland. So, well, what what, what I'm doing is I already put in. 250 works for the Friday uh, cards at Pimlico and Keeneland. And I'm going to have another 250 works to put in for the Keeneland card on Saturday. Get those done. We're already started the handicap for Friday. We're going to have that product done tomorrow. And then I can start. I already started looking at the, the Keeneland Friday card. That'll be done tomorrow. I'm already starting to do the Saturday. That'll get done and uh, and, and be out on on um, on Friday, uh, Friday night. So, we're going to have a lot of stuff for you folks this weekend. Get ready to play some horses and put some money in your bank account, in your ADW accounts. I love it. I love it. This is, this is good stuff. So with Keeneland and with Pimlico, anything special that you're going to do in terms of Pimlico because it is such a short boutique meet, which is weird to say about a track as historically steeped as Pimlico. And we're going to talk about this on the broadcast. Mm -hmm. And what, what, and I, I had a nice discussion with my staff going into the Kentucky Downs meet where we basically, I basically told them, don't get psyched out about it being Kentucky Downs. Just handicap. Just handicap the races. Handicap the trainers. Handicap the owners. And we had a really good Kentucky Downs. I think players psych themselves out. How does a track play? How does it do this? It's the same horses. You know, horses have to go around in a circle. It's not like mm -hmm. they're going to have to go now go around an octagon or, uh, <laughs> or a triangle. They're going around in circles. So handicap the horses. Handicap the connections, and you go from there. So that's all. Uh, that I'm just going to handicap like I always do. And that's why... Um, as we mentioned last time, my daughter, I have both my daughters working for me. My other daughter, Joanna, is actually doing all the results. Uh, Racing with Bruno actually is about 48% with first and second picks uh, winning the race um, across the board. So our, our top choices win between 25 to 30% on our featured tracks. And um, it's just a very interesting, uh, the way it's being done and, and how the percentage for winners 
and percentage of, of the top two choices winning are uh, are very much uh, almost the same across the board. You... We're also averaging around 35% of our races. Uh, we have the Exacta box in there for you. You so... had a nice weekend at Santa Anita last weekend because I, I know that because I had a nice weekend because of that at Santa Anita. Yeah, good for you. That's I need I need I need flatter to make that stud fee. You know, I know. Um, I and and by of, the way, we had really things. good meat at at Churchill. We came up with prices. We came up with a lot of good stuff. And I can't wait for the meat to you know for Keeneland meat, and then go back to Churchill. We got Breeders Cup. This is our meat. This is where we do well. And um, I'm really seeing a lot of horses that I like. Um, and and Churchill's probably. And Keeneland are the two tracks that I feel really comfortable clocking over. Um, and uh, maybe it's that home cooking. Who, who, who knew? But um, I'm, I'm always a very positive person. And um, I'm over the top on what's going on. I'm seeing and what, what's going on around here. Is there a race you are looking more forward to this weekend than any other? Ask me at the seminar, at the webinar. Because I haven't really gotten, you know, I, I don't, I love, you know, betting on big time races, but sometimes a little races in between is what makes my day. Hmm. So, hmm. Yeah, so you're, I mean, you're, early, you're very much in the present. I, I haven't started handicapping yet for those days. You're very yeah, much I, in I, the, I, I, you're I, very much in the present. You have to be because people think, you know, I mean, people, the entries come out and people are handicapping ready for Saturday. And it's like, well, what do you like in the third on Saturday? Well, we got Thursday racing going on next tomorrow. Then we have Friday racing. Then we got Saturday. I'm dealing with the, in the present on what's happening tomorrow. I, I, I'm not jumping ahead. If I did that, I never get anything done. Hmm. So um, a lot of the times people don't understand that uh, I may not look at the Saturday card until Friday morning, but I would have had already put all the works in. So I kind of have an idea, and then I start looking at the ins and outs, and I start looking at the intangibles, mm -hmm. and I start looking at, you know, getting a feel of, for the race. So uh, it, it's very much a, it's very much a, um, a very structured way of doing things, you know, from um, a routine from day to day. Very much a routine day to day. I find it interesting this year because what routine do we have that hasn't been disrupted by the events of this year? And as much as we try to grab a normal about it, it's a futile exercise. The more you try to make something normal, the more you're fighting against the reality that's in front of you. And I wonder for your particular case, let's say the Preakness. The Preakness is not two weeks after the Derby. You talk about new shooters, and very often you say, well, new shooters are fresh horses. Well, in a sense, they're all fresh horses. Nobody's raced in four weeks or more. So that makes it different. I, that, doesn't, that doesn't bother me. See, I don't, I'm not going to get into, the, in, 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 into that, oh, well, in the last 10 Preaknesses, this has happened. No, because that doesn't matter this year. Right. You know, right. but all you know, you're going to read about it on social media because people keep making the same mistakes over and over. They don't use individual. Um, they don't use outside. Uh, how do I put this? 
they don't think outside normal. the box. This, they don't. They, no, no. It, it, it's this is not what happens every year. So you can not look at it as it happens every year. Well, it's the Preakness. Uh, they run the Preakness every year. Yeah, no, they do the run the Preakness two weeks after the Kentucky Derby. This year is mm-hmm. four. It's a totally different thing. You know where you were coming in from the from the Derby, still on an adrenaline high, and you won. Now. You come down from that adrenaline mm-hmm. high, and your trainer's got to bring you back up. It's more like from the from the Preakness to the Belmont. And we really don't know how Pimlico is going to play this time of year. Right? I, I'm looking at horses. Horses, good horses, run over anything. So that doesn't bother me. Mm. All the rest of it is nothing but BS. Is there any normalcy to Keeneland this year? Well, it's Cameron. It's run at the same time. Right. It opens at the same mm-hmm. time. The horsemen, I mean, the only thing that changes is the horsemen's um, uh, pattern going in. Well, mm-hmm. everybody known that Keeneland's going to run first Friday of October. So everybody's pointed for that. So that's, there's no change there. None at all. And, the biggest mistake that horse players make if they want to have a different set of variables, I'm sorry, they want to have the same set of variables mm-hmm. in a different scenario. Right, right. That's well put. That's what I was trying to get out of the, my mouth earlier. And I blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you know. but you workshopped it. You came up with a good line. You know, but that's well put. Um, yeah, we it's, we're looking again. It comes back to what I was saying. We're looking for that normalcy when there's when the more you reach for it, the farther from reality you will be. Just handicap the freaking race. Yeah, that's well. That is, you know, something. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? Just handicap the freaking race. Stop going. Well, you know, now they have to run in October. Yeah, it's about the horse that's doing the best, and it's one hundred and fifty percent physically to win a major race like that, period. When, when we get to the webinar, I imagine you're going to tell us some things about the looks of these horses, the comportment of these horses, yes. their physical being, more That's so you can than, tell. Yeah, more so than you're going to get anywhere else. I, 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 is that something that, does that change in front of your very eyes from yes. Yes. one moment Most to the people next? can't see it. Yeah. Most people cannot see it. 90, 99% of people cannot see it. What's interesting to me, you know, it's almost like I get this picture of Robert De Niro and analyze this with Billy <laughs> okay, Crystal. With Billy Crystal yeah. When he looks at him and says, you, you, you got a gift. And he says something else that really funny, but, but it's true. I, you, you know, I took me a long time to really get to the point of being completely confident and not having any fear of stating what I'm seeing. When the honorary P thing is is the the best one of the best examples. I did not think he was right. And you said that long before he was retired. And I didn't think he was right going in. I wrote it in my sheet. We talked about it on our podcast. We talked about it on, on our webinar, and I even said 
he was off on a left tine in a gallop. And guess what? He shows up with a left tine tendon injury and he's done. And a lot of the times people don't understand that problems behind often become problems up front. And and that is a, uh, you know, I love these people that want to tell me that they look at horses or, and, and I, I'm sorry, you know, tell me something before, don't tell me after. And oh, yeah. we're, and one thing about racing with Bruno, we will tell you before. We don't sit around and say, well, we knew he wasn't right. Yeah, that's why we didn't like. No, we tell you before. I'm not afraid of being wrong. And if I'm wrong, it's happened before and it'll happen again. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of people on Twitter that walk around telling you how much they know and they don't know jack shit. They don't know. But after the fact that they're the, they're the most unbelievable geniuses in the world. Fuck those guys. You're, you're always... Because all they want to do is tell you how much they know, but they can't tell you crap before yeah, the This is the other thing I always say about those. Open up and see how many followers they have. And then when you see how few, it's just... Well, I but the, yeah, but you know, there's a few guys that actually have bought their followers. Oh, I'm aware. I'm aware. I could name you know, names. So... But but that that one thing that drives it, they all they all use our stuff. Most of them use our stuff. That's what drives me nuts, Ron. They use they verbatim say what we say, and we're the only ones that have that stuff on in print like that. I use keywords just to see who comes up with that oh, right, keyword. Yeah, yeah. You know, so and a lot of the times it it what keeps me from going insane and saying, you know. Uh, or people, we're very unique, and we're going to continue to be unique, and that's why people love listening to the podcast. That's why people like to come on our webinars. We offer them something that they don't get other places. No, I don't want to forget to ask you about this: the retirement of Midnight Bisou. She got hurt in the work. And she went 50 and was vanned off. But I do have to question, ask the question. Why is Monomoy girl still running and not old retired? Midnight Bisou? It worth so much money. I mean, how old is huh? Midnight Bisou? Five. Five. I think she's five. She won. She ran in the Oaks with the Monomoy girl. There's Sounds the about age. right. I, does, it, does it have anything to do with the fact that if it's a stallion, you go get him into the shed right away, but it's a mare and you're only looking at one a year? Well, well, I, I really fall along the Federico Tessio mm -hmm. route. All these mares that run into their five and six and have 60, you know, 30, 40, 50 starts, uh, let's just say 20, 25, 30 starts, they don't end up throwing anything. They're in the full of anything. You name me the best Zenyatta has, dro has dropped? Can't think of any. No. How about Rachel? No. Mm -hmm. um, how about Personal Ensign? Nope. Name some other big mares. Untappable. We haven't seen one yet. Hmm. These big mares don't drop. Arva de Grace is another one. Groupie doll. Hmm. 
beholders is is one you know that will be interesting to see what she drops you know leslie's lady her mayor um and i'm pulling her up as we talk if if you've not read federico tessio you should and what was Federico his Tessio his big book what was the book the book it's the book <clears throat> it was fantastic i read it Do you know the title of it i'll find it i'll tell you right now i'll race you <laughs> your win you're already there uh, oh yeah yeah um but to me federico tessio really used to go out and he was an italian breeder used to go out uh one was um breeding the racehorse um yeah breeding the racehorse i'm looking at it right now yeah that's that's the one yeah that's and the one. you know he talked about how he went and found the lightly raced group winners a group placed fillies that fit his line of thinking breeding wise and he would buy them without too many starts and he would retire them and you know he uh, he had some wonderful racehorses one of them was Rebo. Oh, Rebo, my father drove from from Napoli to Torino to go see Rebo run in uh, in uh, in a major in a major race up there, and it was in the 1950s. Right. And uh, I think what they did in Italy at that time, they would run the lottery, and he would buy the lottery ticket, and they'll give the name of the horse in the big race. And if that horse won, he won money. So he bought a ticket, he got a horse, he had the horse. It wasn't Rebo. And he rode his motorcycle from Napoli all the way up. It's like from San Diego to San Francisco. Uh, and, and he went to Torino and watched the race. And I think his horse ran third. Think, think um, about this, though. We're talking but, about a book that was written 62 years ago, which is still a Bible, really. And you talk about, and was, by the way, Rebeau, to me, he, one of the top five racehorses of all time. Well, the interesting part about Federico Tessio is he used to have a farm up near Milano, I believe. And what he would do is during uh, horses migrate. Horses, um, as in 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 real life and in the wild, would migrate south for greener pastures. That's when people say, "Oh, you know, he's off the greener pastures." You know, when somebody moves somewhere. But the greener pasture means that they're going to find better weather because they have better better pastures to eat and eat grass and it's all comes from a, from a, from a from a horse uh, uh, survival instinct so what he did is he took his horses and he moved them down south for the winter and he and 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 you see that a lot now where guys are up in Kentucky and they send their horses down to Florida for the winter to in that sun and you wouldn't believe how much horses change in the sun and 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 greener pastures and greener grass and 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 very uh healthy and uh um wholesome uh grazing grounds it's amazing all horses don't do well if their feet uh, have huge you can have huge problem with feet if you have your horse for three months in the mud growing up you know they need to be on grounds that they got those feet can can just soak in and sponge all those nutrients from the ground that's why you get horses with good feet 
That's why people move horses down to better areas uh, during the winter. So that's some of the things that he used to do that uh, are still good to this day. And why wouldn't they be? I mean, it's why wouldn't they be as good to this day? I, that's always amazes me that sometimes all the new technology and all this new thinking, and it's like, well, you still come back to what it was. And it's, it all, all comes back to the survival instinct of that animal. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it's, for example, with my Siberian Husky Joe, he loves the cool weather. He was out in the sun today, enjoying the 50-degree weather, 55 degrees, loved it. Just loved it because that's what he's built has, for. That's his instinct. Has he been through a winter yet? I know he's a baby dog. Um, this would be, well, this would be a really his first real winter in Kentucky. Yeah. Some dogs love that. I can't wait. I'll, I'll put up it, but you wait till you see him run in the snow. I mean, he's going to just absolutely see, I love, love it. dogs in the snow. I, when I was living in New York, watching dogs in the snow, I lived for that. But anyway, I just, but, but, yeah. but you know, but again, that's what he's breeding mm -hmm. his breed says. When you have racehorses, racehorses want to move south where they have greener grounds and better place for, for them and their herds and their feet. The feet are really important because the feet really soak up a lot of that nutrient out of the ground. And if you, if you put them on bad ground, their feet are going to be awful. You have no foot. You have no horse. No coincidence then that it is difficult to come through New York in the aqueduct winter to have a classic winter in the spring. Exactly. I've just learned something. Exactly. I've just learned something. So that's why Oakland is good. That's why fairgrounds can be good. That's why Gulfstream and Florida. Florida's a little tough. Florida is like going to a different different hemisphere, like the southern hemisphere. Mm -hmm. And it can be tough on some. And then they have to acclimate to that, uh, to the ground, to the to the bugs, to the to all the you know the heat. So sometimes you know it's an interesting way of looking at things. But since we were getting onto that this year, even though we've had all this this new normal, now we're getting to the regular pattern stuff. California, you know, the Keeneland into into Breeders' Cup into Churchill Downs. Then we go into the winter. So now we're getting more into a, a routine where trainers are actually can actually put together pattern um, plans for each individual horse. Um, they don't have to have three different barns in three right. places because they can't train out of there or they can't do that because of COVID or you know whatever restrictions there are. So there's a lot more of that. So I don't really put a whole lot of stock right now on any new normal it's all about putting those horses down now you get your natural progression of uh being able to point horses for certain races is the fact that keeneland is hosting the breeders cup this year influencing this keeneland meet no no hmm. you don't have because People are, they may have a couple of trainers that might want to run their horse at Keeneland and then run it in the mm -hmm. Breeders' Cup, but a lot of guys are going to come in and do the same thing they do every year. You know, Pletcher is going to run his big guns in, in New York. Uh, the, the the big guys are going to run their, the only difference is the Preakness. 
That's the only mm -hmm. difference. I kind of think too. Where one of those horses would have run in the jockey club, well, one of those horses would have run in, in possibly well, the the, uh, uh, you know the, uh, the the Pennsylvania right. Derby, or they would have run into you know. Now Keeneland, now the Preakness has become the biggest prep, really for the Breeders' it Cup Classic. You got some again. You've got the um, you've got the Jockey Club coming up. At, Key, at Belmont. So, to me, the Preakness is the only big difference as far as prepping for the Breeders' And it's Cup. an interesting point you make with the Jockey Club Gold Cup because we've seen trainers like Michael Stidham and Todd Fletcher choosing that race over the Preakness to go ahead and get to the Breeders' Cup Classic. Happy Saver, for instance, could have gone to the Preakness, automatically qualified by winning the Tessio, Pletcher thought about it. Pletcher leaned that way. Then he said, no, we'll, we'll, we'll go in. It's too quick. It's too quick for him. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, stay home, qualify there. There's big races in your backyard, right? Right. What would you think of the awesome again? I think the probable is improved by leaps and bounds. Um, I think maximum security is starting to show wear and tear of his campaign because he's danced every dance. He, and with Baffert, he gets trained harder where Jason didn't train him as hard. Now, I'm, I know people are screaming, well, he gave him stuff. Well, what he gave him was something that he rebounded quicker and it, and it helped his cells recover quicker and, and his cells would fix his body quicker than, than time itself or just straight out getting nothing that's what i believe that jason was using it's something that made horses come back quicker re recover quicker uh than 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 time or mother nature allowed them to uh steroids used to do the same thing they took those away from them so i think there's a lot of wear and tear on maximum security and he still has the, the heart he still has to try but he just doesn't is not able to show the speed because his wear and tear is causing him not to be as smooth and fluid as he even used off to be. the five month break after the Saudi Cup. He, listen, that was a tough trip. I get it. And that was a tough race. And Baffert, you know, Baffert is not like a picnic. It's not like he goes has him going around there in a pumpkin chariot. <laughs> you know, I mean, he drills the living yeah. daylights out of horses. So that's not something that Max has been known, you know, to, to go through. He was really babied by Jason Service. You know, so a lot of the times people don't understand that. Now, let me ask you as well. Uh, we've, we've covered Keeneland. We've covered Pimlico. We've did a little Santa Anita. Belmont Park. I don't know that we've talked enough about Belmont Park coming up here in the coming weeks. And we know there's going to be a progress going toward the Jockey Club Gold Cup next week. And it's almost like that track's been forgotten just because we had the big race at Santa Anita last week. And you got yeah, yeah, you're right. Just like Saratoga was. I, I think it, this, this whole COVID 
thing has kind of made guys stick in their own circuit. And the purse monies at, Keen, at Keeneland and Churchill have really stopped people from shipping into New York. So I, I, I felt like the New York product has really gone, has really regressed. Hmm. So um, I do have a new clocker out there. Um, um, and uh, we've done okay. We had a really big day, I think, last Saturday on Sunday, which is okay. It just depends on the fields. You know, now I heard I read a team. Yeah, he is. He's got, he's got, he tested positive, asymptomatic for coronavirus. Yes. Yeah. I'm always better when, when I'm able to play Belmont without those two kids both riding at the same time. That's just You're my not opinion. the first person to say that. Just my mm -hmm. opinion. You know, um, so Belmont to me, if I was going to play, it'd probably be fourth or fifth down the list. Hmm. Okay. I might even sometimes put Remington Park above. So no coincidence that we haven't talked a lot about Belmont Park today. No. Right. no. I think there's some, I mean, from myself, being out of Churchill every day and clocking here and playing the, the Kentucky product, I don't need to go to Belmont. You had an interesting point you made to me. I don't think we mentioned it on the podcast. I asked you why it was, and it's it's a simple answer, man. You you set me straight on this right away. I said, why can't Churchill have purses better than $70,000 for a week after the Derby and the two weeks after the Derby? You had the perfect answer to this. Kentucky Downs took a lot of people away from them. I mean, look at the fields at Kentucky Downs. How many horses they run in those six days? No. Oh my goodness! Yes. So that takes away from that, mm -hmm. and the, what what it did is it really cut into their turf program. And if anybody's going to think about running, going, wait a minute, I can run a Keeneland. So, it was just the way the schedule was written, because of the Kentucky Downs and Alice Park before that, um, really took a lot of horses. And all, the, and let's face it. They ran a lot of stakes on Kentucky Derby Day and on Kentucky Oaks Day. You can't wheel those horses right. back in two weeks. Right. Right. So that right. was well, that was a perfect answer. So I, it didn't affect me. We still, we still had a really good meet. But it didn't affect me at all. I mean, I looked at the races. I'd rather play Kentucky. I'd rather play Keeneland, Churchill, Kentucky Downs, rather than play Belmont. What's the old thing? A 10-to-1 shot pays I, I the feel, same? I feel I have a better chance. L let me just put it this way. I felt I had a better chance because the way the business was run and the way the KHRC, you know, runs the business and 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 works with um, with Churchill Downs on making sure that we have uh, the testing is done correctly. And uh, I think this much cleaner races. There you go. I said it. They're running cleaner races. I can actually handicap and not have to try to figure out who the heck is going to win because of the connections. I can actually handicap the horses, mm. which is something that I cannot do at Saratoga. We try. We try, but at Saratoga, I got to play the connections. Mm. Where's those two brothers going to? Who's riding what? Who's going where? Who's the who's the uh, uh, NYRA board member? You know, it becomes like, I, I, what do I bother? You know. So I'll play where I think I can get honest racing and honest, you know, efforts from the jockeys. And I think the colony at in in, in at Churchill is hungry. They want to win. Speaking of the jockeys, 
I have John Velasquez on my podcast this week, and we talked about the new crop rules. And you know jockeys are wholesale against the way these crop rules have been invoked and the restrictions that have been put on them between New Jersey, California, and now you can give me some insight into this, what's maybe going to happen in Kentucky. They're going to have to adjust, but they're all horsemen. You know, on the back of those horses. They know. <laughs> Listen, those guys are magicians on the back of horses. You know, they're magicians on the back of horses. And the cream of the crop, the cream of the crop will raise. You know, if you think you need the whip to make a horse run, Johnny doesn't need a whip. Johnny knows how to finish. I watched the Fifin Kai when he was diminished in his older. Um, older uh part of his mm. career but boy he could finish he was crafty it's almost like some of these jocks who used to rely on power now they have to rely on being like those pitchers that through the 98 mile an hour i'll bring up a pitcher greg maddox greg maddox went from a power pitcher down to a pitcher who would paint the corners hit the corners in and out up and down the change of pace. That's what these jockeys have to do. They have to change their ability of not just being just brute riders and doing that, but having touch with their horses and knowing how to. Eddie De La Jusa is another great example. He didn't sit on a horse right. He, you know, he didn't look like a polished rider, but boy, did he got the job done. He was phenomenal. But these guys, and a Hall of Famer like Johnny, will tell you that there is a safety compromise that comes into play when they're not allowed to handle the horse with the equipment that they are traditionally given. Well, yes. But on the other hand, if that, that horse isn't going to win a race anyway. goes beyond just whether they win a race, though. There is a safety issue here. No, there is a safety issue. I, I agree with you. But that horse... If that horse is not going to be a safe horse to ride, I'll guarantee you that Johnny is not going to get on him. He's not going to ride a horse that he's not going to have any control over. And if you've got a horse that you have no control over, he's not going to win a race. Okay. Right. It's that, you know, a lot, again, there's a lot of people that sometimes people don't think. Oh, well, without the whip, now we're not going to be able to do, you know, what, do what? If you've got a horse that's rogue and wanting to bolt to the outside of the fence, that horse isn't going to win the race. What about? You're going to have to adjust. What about them. for horses? You're going to have to adjust them with your hands. What about for horses that are trained to respond to the crop? You're not really trained to respond. I mean, we, we have a. We have a policy. We don't hit a horse in the morning. I, I, I only no, novices and and uneducated riders and trainers ask their riders to hit them with the whip to educate them. That's bullshit. You don't hit a baby down the lane with the whip. You've seen that happen a number of times, and the horse just goes takes a left hand turn, and the trainer will say, "Well, I've never been hit with a whip before." Then why'd you do it in the middle of a race? So a lot of the times, a lot of horses don't need it. 
they respond to the competition. I never, when I played ball, I never needed, a, you know, my coach to yell at me and, you know, chase me with a bat to get me to play. I competed. These horses compete. And that's what people forget. People think these horses are cars. You hit with a whip and the horse goes. You get horses, you hit with a whip and they kind of sulk back like, I don't want to get mm -hmm. hit. You can see that in the way they move their tail. They don't like it. But they're responding. And a lot of the times, I'll tell you, there'll be horses responding down the lane and I see the rider wailing on them and I'm thinking, what are you doing? Your horse is responding. Why are you teaching them to hit them with the whip to say you're doing something wrong? Here, I got to hit you even though you're doing it right. There's some people in the morning, some trainers who actually get on their own horses. And I always say, oh, wait, wait for the, uh, you know, they'll, they'll be turning for home. And I go, one, two, three, there comes the whip out. They're more under the Pavlov conditioning than when they turn for home, these guys are already salivating about hitting the horse with a whip. Why? The horse is responding. It's because that's what you want to do. And then you feel that you're teaching the horse something. No, you're not. What you're teaching the horse something, what you're teaching is that horse is you're doing everything right and I'm going to get hit. I, I don't, I, I really believe that a good horseman on, back, on, on the horse's back is going to, which a, a jockey is what I mean, he's a good horseman, he will handle that horse just fine. And if that horse is a rogue horse and he knows, he ain't going to ride him. I have a great Daddy Delahousie story. Yeah. I was at Hollywood Park. I was when they were all dismounting after a race, and I think Eddie finished fourth. And he's walking towards me, and he always had something smart to say. And he looked at me, and goes, "Bruno, these young whippersnappers, they just a hooping and a hollering at the cotter pole. That don't make horses run any faster." <laughs> I never forgot that. You know, what he was saying is, is that all these guys are screaming and yelling and using the whip and doing this and doing that. Don't make no horse run no faster. <laughs> it's like my wife says the same thing. You go to a sports bar. She's like, why are all these people yelling when the players can't hear them? <laughs> That's great point. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and, 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 and there was another situation uh, with Iggy Puglisi wrote Classic Hera, I think was her name, uh, for Doug O'Neill in the 2000 Kentucky Oaks. That night, I'm sitting in uh, the old executive inn uh, that's no longer there now. It's the, um, it's the uh, uh, something crown, royal crown, I think, triple crown hotel. And um, I stayed there many times. And Iggy was telling me that turning for home in the Oaks, he said, I was screaming and yelling at my filly, and there was a wall of noise. I couldn't even hear mm. myself. So, you know, these horses are incredibly emotional, and they're incredibly sensitive, and they are very competitive. And if one gets beat, it's not because of the whip. It's because he wasn't 
good enough to beat the other horse competitively. So jockeys will find a way. All right. Well, on that note, do you want to go ahead and give a little review here, not only of the webinar coming up on Friday, but also subscriptions to your service? Oh, absolutely. Thanks for bringing that up. First of all, the webinar is Saturday. Uh, excuse me, Friday night at I was going to say I was, dressing, I was getting dressed for early. For Saturday's <laughs> races, sorry. For Saturday's races, I was ahead of myself on the Saturday races. Um, with uh, the the cost is forty nine ninety five. You you order in advance. Uh, we will email you all the products once they're done. Uh, you'll get an invite to come to our Zoom uh, webinar. Ron, myself will be there. We'll have quite a few people there. We're all going to talk about the races. We're going to pick selected races uh, at Keeneland and Pimlico and go over them. Of course, we'll talk the Preakness. We'll show some videos. We'll talk a lot of different things. Now, as far as subscription, so do it today. Get on board because we have limited room. Do it today, racingwithbruno.com. Now, if you'd like to go and see what we have on our subscription packages, you can also go to racingwithbruno.com. If you are on your phone, you scroll left to right, not up and down. And if you're on a desktop, you can scroll left to right as well, and you see all our subscriptions. Our credits are for people that don't play every day. That if you want to play uh, three days a week, you have credits. You can play, uh, like example, if you want to sign up just for the Keeneland, you buy the either 25, uh, the 25 or uh, 30 uh, uh, credit package, and you have the entire. You can just download. You go to our site. You download it. You're able to do it all on your own, at your own time, at your own convenience. Uh, the all-inclusive access is for the everyday player who wants to research horses, look at our databases, look at our and use our interactive race card, which is our version of the formula. Um, and, hey, I think I saw your house on this uh, Las Vegas commercial on ESPN. Wow. Um, I, doubt, I doubt that. The, the flat, the flatter, the flatter. I doubt that. Um, <laughs> but uh, so we have a lot of things for everybody. You can always get a hold of me at, you know, Bruno at racingwithbruno.com and ask me, hey, what do you have? Uh, what do you have? And here's what I like to have. And what do you have that fits my my needs? And I'd be glad to work with you. Um, hey, Ron. Hey, by the way, yes. I bought three to three really nice horses out of oh. Keeneland. Okay. Yes. Yes. Uh, I bought a violence out of an unusual heat uh, mare by, uh, it was a half to ring weekend and I couldn't believe what I got her for. She was sound. I work with two vets to make sure uh, we, we work on all the x-rays and everything. And I had an insight on the horse. I knew everything about it and I got it for an unbelievable price. I bought a California Chrome that, it's got a terrific page. The second dam is Unbridled Sydney uh, and Unbridled Sydney, Collar One, all those really fast horses. And it's probably one of the most uh, uh, athletic looking California Chromes that I've seen. I'm very excited about him. And I bought one that I absolutely stole. I bought a Divining Rod. Divining Rod was a Tappet Stallion, ran third to. Um, American Pharaoh in the Preakness ran second to Sharp Azteca in the Kelso. Uh, he was a stakes horse for Arnie Delacour, but his dam was a half to Kitten's Joy. And I went and looked 
at all the horses in this consignment. This horse moved well, acted well. I knew I'd be able to get it for nothing. She, I, my veterinarians were very hard to see everything in those joints, and I got it for $2,000. Oh, my. Yeah. Beautiful moving filly, and I can't wait for to get that horse going uh, and everything. But the California Chrome, I absolutely love. Um, I'll have to send you the videos, and anybody that like to see them, I think I have them on my uh, Twitter account. So um, I had a really good time. I, I could have bought more, um, and the prices were right because uh, people want a pedigree is crack at these sales, and if that pedigree doesn't doesn't pass the taste buds of some, you could have secretariat there, and they would pass <laughs> on. So anyway, hey, it's been really fun, Ron. I really enjoy doing these with you. I uh, think we covered everything, didn't we? I think so. I think we've we've hit it all. We've hit all the tracks. We've hit the issues. We've gotten some opinions. We've got some uh, and I'm opinion. Yeah, we got some we got hit opinions that hit the floor. We had opinions before we even got started today. You know, we got it all going on. You know, so if you come into the webinar, you don't know what you're going to get. Eight o'clock Eastern, five o'clock Pacific on Friday. And remember, racingwithbruno.com to sign up. I always love doing this. By the way, what do you got going that people can listen to this weekend? Uh, on my podcast, we have two editions this week because we always do that for the classics. Handicappers podcast with Chris Andrews, Johnny Avello, Dwayne Colucci, and Vinny Maliulo going over every horse in the Preakness. That is up right now on the Ron Flatter Racing Pod. And then posting Friday, we'll have Johnny Velasquez, as mentioned. John Scheinman, the writer in Baltimore, will look at the Preakness, will tell stories. And Scott Burton in Paris will help me preview the ARC. And that'll be on the... Oh, I got to listen to be that. On the, I got to That'll be on the that. Friday episode of the Ron Flatter Racing Pod. Where you got this podcast, you get that podcast, or just go to vcin.com slash podcasts. You know, I got to give you a tons of props. You pronounce Vini Mayulo absolutely correctly. He, he trained me well. Yes, he did. Because in our in, in Italian, you pronounce the GLs, not gluh. You pronounce it I learned that of all things. I was a dictionary and encyclopedia reader when I was a kid, and I learned about the intaglio printing process. I-N-T-A-G-L-I-O, intaglio. And when I learned that, I therefore learned the GL. Did you know what Tony came from in New York? Tony. Uh, no, you tell me. Ellis Island in the 1800s and 1900s. When uh, Italian immigrants came over, they would stamp them with T-O-N-Y for to New York. Is that right? So when they asked them what their name was, they'd show them and they put down Tony. That didn't come from Antonio or anything like that? No? Well, if, they, it, if it wasn't their name, that's what their name uh, became because it was T-O-N-Y to New York. Learn something more again. Learning about horses' yeah. feet in the winter and I'm learning about Tony in the fall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I always laugh. My um, on my dad's side, his uncle, my 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 grandfather, my grandfather, my dad's dad, worked as a uh, cook for the Italian royal family, the the king. Huh. Um, and his brother 
migrated to the United States through Ellis Island. And they ended up in Buffalo, New York and into Canada. And they had probably, if anybody in that area that's listening has heard of the De Julio's restaurants, that was probably a member of my family that I never got a chance oh. to meet. There you go. We came here because my dad worked for NATO. And um, and that's he, he was very tight with a lot of generals and admirals, and uh, they were able to get him here to the United States, and we were uh, uh, naturalized within three years. I turned, I think, when I turned 18, I was already a citizen. So I want to nip that in the bud for anybody out there that wants to, you know. Going birther on, uh, on the jewelry. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So, but... Um, but no, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? That whole, you know, to New York. I like but it. We're going to leave it on that I like note. it. So? I'll tell you what, if, they, if, you, if you're, 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 in, you're in Kentucky, Vinny. you could be, you know, if, if we uh, ended up with a two Kentucky, you'd be Toki. Ron Flatter, always a pleasure. Always spending time with you. Just flies by. And um, an hour and 50, an hour or something, yeah. you know, but... Um, I look forward to seeing you Friday night. Well, we'll, we'll see you on the webinar. Can't wait. All right, my friend. Have a good night in Vegas. And to you all out there, it's Freakness Weekend and Keeneland. See you out there. Get more from Bruno by going to RacingWithBruno.com. This has been the Racing with Bruno podcast.